Welcome to Climate Anxiety and the Kid Question, a podcast that explores climate change, how it impacts our emotions and sense of well-being in the world, and ultimately how we feel about having and raising children in this climate-altered landscape. I'm your host, Jade Sasser. In this episode, I'm talking to Grace, a civil engineer who lives in New Orleans. Having lived through multiple hurricanes, her climate anxiety is connected to long-term questions like, where is a good place to live? Can young people even plan for long-term futures? And where do children fit in? Let's get into it. So let me just begin by asking you any demographic information about yourself that you'd like to share, including things like your age, um, your race, your gender, and where you're from. I'm 32 years old. Um, a single white female. I live in um, New Orleans, Louisiana. Been here for about four years. Where are you from originally? Missouri. Okay. What brought you to Louisiana? I finished school and graduated with my civil engineering degree. And um, I had a few friends that lived in New Orleans, but I really came to do... um, hydraulic engineering. Um, So it's a really great location for that. Um, I'm also interested in climate change and the impacts that it has um, on at-risk communities. So it kind of led me to this area. Um, What role does climate change play in your life? I think it creates, you know, kind of a question mark. of uncertainty mm-hmm. of how things are going to how what when you know are things going to change um yeah i think you know with my job i'm involved in the conversation of it um mm-hmm. and it leaves a lot of uncertainty i guess about what's going to happen. Yeah. And when you think about that work that you do and the uncertainty um, around what will happen in the future with climate change, what kinds of emotions come up for you? A bit of anxiety and stress, I think. Um, Especially where I'm located, you know, um, It's hard to think past, you know, 50 years. Like when you talk about settling down, like it's settling down in Southern Louisiana and around the conversation of climate change doesn't really seem to be a realistic possibility. Mm. Um, So, you know, there's a little bit of anxiety about being able to put down roots somewhere. is where is a good place maybe to do that? Um, so yeah, I think it forces you to be a little um, living more in a present moment, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Thinking about other ways maybe to financially save that don't exist in like a house or something like that. Do you feel that those concerns are place-based you mentioned being in southern Louisiana do you feel that this is place-based or 
Do you also feel that this is a general anxiety um, that you might feel elsewhere in the United States as well? I mean, anywhere along the coast, but even like, you know, wildfires, you know, things like my sister lives in um, California. So, you know, it's also an anxiety inducing thing out there. Um, yeah, I think it's a collective shared um, anxiety. I don't know if a lot of people attribute it directly or know what's causing it. Hmm. Okay. So then I wonder what conversations are you having with people, other people who live where you live in Louisiana? Um are you having these conversations about climate change specifically, or are you having conversations that are more generally about storms or sea level rise? Um, I think storms and sea level rise specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's always the added caveat of climate change thrown in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, day to day, I think people don't think about climate change as it's it's like this big thing that's like out there, but it's not always like, you know, but the daily acts of it are, you know, the storms increasing more, you know, the weather patterns, things like that, they're changing, um, you know, and you have maybe a bad day or something and you're like, oh, climate change, it's like a weird temperature and it's kind of a joke, but um yeah, you think about storms. New Orleans just had a tornado. Um, hmm. And, you know, um, Araby, and you talk to people and they're like, I've never seen a tornado in all my life, like in the area. Hmm. Um, so, but even still, like a lot of people don't necessarily associate that with climate change or they'll be but I don't know. I feel like the more these things start to happen, people are going to realize that something is changing. Right. And, and who, who do you have the conversation with, especially the conversation around like anxiety or other emotions? Who are you talking to about that? Um, probably my close, close, like female friends. Um, you know, um, when we talk about, you know, saving or trying to put down roots, maybe like um, family planning, um, trying to figure out when that's going to happen, you know, for people that have partners um, Mm -hmm. or, you know, yeah. So probably close um, people of my own age. Mm -hmm. And, so what are those conversations? What what are your plans around having a family and what are your friends thinking of doing as well? Um, I guess my friends are thinking like, yeah, that's something that they want to do at some point, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, trying to figure out when that would work best is, yeah, uh, a question mark. Um, you know, I, I guess I'm still single. So like, I'm not trying to force that if I don't find the right person. Um, along with, you know, I think my friends too, um, that are still single, you know, 
However, my sister, who's 34, feels like intense pressure to try to like make that happen ASAP. Um, my kind of philosophy about it is if it's going to happen, it'll happen. If it doesn't, um, my life is still valued if I don't have a fair child. Um, mm-hmm. And there are other ways, if I want to satisfy that maternal instinct, there are other ways in a community that I can do that. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think that that's, you know, a very common mentality sometimes to have, you know. Yeah. I still talk to a lot of girls, you know, and they're worried or, you know, thirty that 35 cliff um, <laughs> is approaching. <laughs> so, uh, you know. And maybe, like, you know, I'll change my mind if I get to close to 40 and feel like I, you know, lost out on a really um, a life experience, I guess. I don't know. Um, I just know I don't want to have it with the wrong person. Um, Mm -hmm. Not that anyone ever wants to have a child with (laughs) the wrong person. (laughs) Um, But... Yeah, I guess I just don't want to force it if it's not going to be in the cards. Right. So then I'm wondering, how do these two seemingly different elements of the conversation come together for you in terms of your emotions and feelings and anxieties around climate change and then how you're feeling and thinking and planning um, around having a family? What does one have to do with the other for you? I mean, it's possible that the idea of an undefined future and like an unstable future have led me to kind of change my thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that and accept, you know, a different reality um, than, you know, being a biological mother or something like that. Um mm-hmm in order to, I guess, push back the clock, allow more time, um, more time for, you know, financial stability, um, and things like that. You know, I'm much more open to adopting, I guess, thinking back to how I thought of, you know, being a mother, I guess, as a child, um, you know, I would be very open to adopting. Um, I see that and I've had friends that have gone through that experience and, been like a very good process um so yeah I think that maybe you know because of that instability it has caused me to open up and think about families in um a more untraditional sense okay So it sounds like you're saying that maybe ecological or climate instability has been one of the things that has gotten you to think about adoption as a possibility. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, So I just want to go back to something that you said a little bit earlier, because it sounded like your concerns about future viability and putting down roots it sounded like they were kind of specific to the landscape um and the the specifics 
of storms and weather patterns in southern Louisiana. But I wonder if you can say more about that. Do you think if you, I know that we did discuss this, but I just want to drill down on it a little bit more. Um, is it that you don't feel that a, a long-term future is viable in Louisiana or that you don't feel that a long-term future is viable, period? Um, I think a long-term future in Louisiana is not viable, mm-hmm. um, especially Southern Louisiana. Um, you know, I was here during Ida, um, the emotional toll that it took um, was a lot, you know, financially too, but I think mm-hmm. even more like emotionally, like it was very draining. Um, and it definitely, you can see how it takes a lot out of people um, to repeatedly survive those events um, throughout their life. Could you just say a little bit more about that for those who have not been through a weather-related disaster? What What is that experience like and what toll does it take? Yeah. Um, and for me, to be clear, you know, like I didn't have my home damaged. Um, you know, I had minimal leaking. Mm-hmm. So what that looks like is the storm comes very quickly. There's a lot of anxiety and stress about leaving, looking at the predictions, seeing where you need to go. Um, for me, my car was broken down, so I didn't have a way to evacuate um, according to my like own desire. So mm-hmm. I was scrambling, trying to find a way to get out um, and putting, you know, trying to talk to people. And then, you know, my close friends that I probably would have evacuated with weren't leaving. Um, so I didn't want to leave with someone I kind of knew and go to a city that I didn't really know. I felt like that was kind of an, also an unsafe choice. So I chose to stay. Um, so, you know, there is the storm, which is probably several days of very intense, um, stress prior to it, um, waiting it out, um, you know. I talked to certain people that, you know, they were still in their homes when the roof blew off. Um, and then they would wait there for another four hours until the storm is over. Um, but for me, you know, I, there wasn't any flooding, no major damage, but you know, the entire city lost power and cell phone service as well. You know, my cell phone didn't work, um, because certain towers went down. So, you know, there's that, then you have to figure out, you know, kind of get your home in order, make sure your fridge is all emptied out because your fridge will get ruined if you don't get rid of all the food inside of it. Um, so, you know, you take your valuables, I guess, and evacuate to wherever, um, you can, because it's very difficult to live in a place for weeks without power. Um, it's also very dangerous um, when people are put in desperate situations. People take drastic measures sometimes. So, um, you know, when food is short, when things are expiring, when you're in the heat, um, 
water, you know, that means water is not um, something that's easy to come by because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not being filtered properly um, and safe to drink. So, yeah, you, I evacuated for probably three weeks back to Missouri. um, And I just, you know, wasn't myself. Um, I was probably depressed, still very anxious, getting out a lot of um, just emotions that I wasn't even really sure that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that put stress on friendships um, that, you know, really count on um, in relationships. Mm-hmm. And then you come back after three weeks and I had wonderful neighbors that helped me take care of my place while I was gone. Um, so it takes like, it really just like shakes everything up for like several months. Mm. And you still see damages and things getting really back to normal. It probably, you know, takes several months and then to get back to pre hurricane a year i'm we're Mm -hmm. almost into the next hurricane season and we still have like tarps Mm -hmm. they haven't re-roofed our building so um you know it's just it takes a lot out of you Mm -hmm. and this was my first major hurricane um so for when we're talking like generations of people who live here that experience something like that mm-hmm. who have survived things like you know Katrina um that has PTSD and you know a lot of things emotional trauma that comes with things like that um absolutely so i wonder I don't know if you'd be able to answer this, but this is just from, you know, your perspective. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the work that you do makes you feel more anxious about that or less anxious? Probably more because I saw a lot more predictions coming through mm-hmm. um, that I was not feeling good about. <laughs> um because you look at all the potential possibilities of what could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean that they're going to happen, but you see a lot of negative outcomes mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people that are impacted. So, yeah, I think it probably increases my anxiety mm-hmm. um, because of the work that I do. Right. For sure. Right. So then, given all of the stressful, anxiety-inducing, maybe grief and loss-related feelings um, that you've described that arise before, during, and after um, a major devastating storm, what do you do with those emotions or with that, you know, kind of internal disruption? Do you have a therapist do you talk to friends and family like how do you sort of process and deal with all of that yeah I go to therapy um to process it um try to be just patient um knowing that it just has to come up and you have to you know try to move through it 
Um, yeah. And do those kinds of conversations about like therapy and processing mental and emotional health, do those come up with your friends and coworkers? Yeah, I think close friends. Um, yeah. Okay. What do you imagine life will be like um, where you live in Southern Louisiana, let's say 20 years from now? Um, I mean, it's a question I've been asking myself a lot, um, and trying to kind of come up with a good picture of it. Um, I think it's just going to be harder, um, in a lot of different ways. Um, seasonally, I guess with storms, um, You know, I think cities will still be, like, I think the city will still be here in 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's going to be under a lot more pressures. Um, and I, for me, like, I, I think I can see it in maybe more areas. Like, I think it's going to increase, you know, insurance rates i think mm -hmm. it's going to be harder for cities to maintain like infrastructure mm -hmm. um due to more like climate pressures on them so if you're already frustrated with the streets um you're just going to be more frustrated with the streets you know um you know it puts more pressure on the maintenance of your car mm -hmm. you know things like that um food shortages, um, you know, or just like, you know, like the varieties of foods maybe we once got, like maybe that's going to change and that's not going to happen. Um, pressures of, you know, I am of the opinion that, you know, things like COVID, um, you know, where there's changing migratory patterns, you know, different diseases pop up, things like that. I think those will happen more often. Um, so I think, it's going to put pressure on cities and people and communities from all different angles. Mm -hmm. um, right. Um, hmm. So I'm thinking about everything that you just said and then bringing it back in my mind mm -hmm. to children or a family for a lot of people children kind of represent or symbolize a hopeful future or at least the thought or prospect that there would be something better in the future um, to sort of leave children with. Um, so what do children or what does the family symbolize or represent to you? Um. I do think one of my hesitations to have children is I don't necessarily want to bring them into a situation that's not, it's going to be very hard. Um, I guess, yeah, like, I don't know. I don't see, I guess, a lot of 
hope in having kids. Like it's mm-hmm. not, I would want kids because maybe I fall in love with someone and then that is something that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to build a family with someone, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, this is a really pessimistic view, but um, that's why maybe I think of adopting because, mm-hmm. you know, those kids are already coming into this world. Maybe I don't need to bring in more kids when things are already going to be um under a lot of pressure. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think I can see, you know, when you fall in love with someone, I've been in love before, you know, you have that hope that, you know, you want to have kids. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it's, yeah, but yeah, I don't have a good outlook, I guess, on the future with climate change. Um, it was funny because this might be getting a little off topic, but like during COVID, mm-hmm. you know, like there were a bunch of COVID babies, mm-hmm. right? Like people had a bunch of, I guess, kids during that time because they were locked indoors together, um, which is interesting. Um Cause like I said, I think COVID can also be related to climate change. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess for me, um, I don't think you, you can ha- like, if you want to have a kid and you're like physically able to, I think you can have it really whenever you want. Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to plan for it, um, and if you're looking at the future and the future looks harder, Mm-hmm. it doesn't really inspire it's harder for that kid it's going to be harder for you mm-hmm. uh, it puts more pressure on the relationship um, unless maybe you just have like a lot of money and then you could afford to you know for things to get a little harder you have a little bit more flexibility maybe right from your perspective, what kinds of things can be done to create the kind of future that you would feel confident about raising children in or a child? Well, it's funny because I was, when you were saying that, I was trying to imagine, you know, where would I maybe like raise a child? And I was thinking, you know, other countries, mm-hmm. um, you know, because like I was saying it with climate change, it just adds so much more weight and pressure on your shoulders. Um, And if that pressure could be relieved in the form of, you know, a community that supported you in ways that, I mean, for me, you know, like I'm not, I was raised lower middle class, um, have a good education, but I'll probably never, you know, um, get up there. Um, But you know, if things like healthcare and the things that already, you know, are somewhat of a stress sometimes um, were taken off, mm-hmm. I think, you know, it would be 
easier maybe to be more open to that. Um, mm. Yeah, you know, like dealing like with my car in certain situations like that, you know, like New Orleans public transit transportation isn't great. Um, I mean, it's nice, but if you were thinking about a other city where you really wouldn't even need it, um, because the community provides that for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's, if you focus on things that make it easier to live, it's going to be easier to adapt to those more, those bigger pressures. And maybe you'll have more of an emotional capacity to take them on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause I would just like right now, I don't know how I would financially be able to afford a child. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of my anxiety, I think, is financial, um, just because I didn't grow up in a house where we had a lot. Um, so I would want to make sure that that is something um, that I could give my family and something that I also don't have to re-traumatize myself going through mm-hmm. um, to put you know those pressures, um, because that's not going to be good for me. It's not going to be good emotionally coming through me for like a child to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think to answer the question, like, you know, anything that's going to lift that weight um, and make it easier to move through this changing climate. That's our episode. Thank you for listening to Climate Anxiety and the Kid Question. And please be sure to join us again.